Wendy, <clears throat> how are you? Hi, Chrissy. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. So here we are, episode two of the Thinking Spot Coaching and Your Colourful Self uh, podcast. And today we're going to talk about mindfulness. So in episode one, we talked about gratitude. And gratitude is actually one of the attitudes that underpin mindfulness. And today we thought it'd be really helpful to talk about all nine different attitudes that underpin mindfulness. So Wendy, Yes. What are they? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so perhaps maybe I'll, I'll rewind a, just a tiny bit, just to kind of um, give the basis for mindfulness. So it's, it was introduced into the West by um, somebody called John Kabat-Zinn. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's, it sort of comes from, from Buddhism. And um, he, he brought it to the West and he talks about the seven attitudes. So initially the, the seven attitudes and then he added two additional ones. And um, I have got some uh, notes here just because I don't want to forget um, any of them. Um, however, the first one um, is non-judging. So with that one is very much about any situation or anything in relation to kind of yourself or, you know, kind of going about it with no judgment. So things are neither good nor bad, just things are. And I guess it also um, extends to kind of who we are as people, you know, who, you know, about ourselves. that, you know, where we're at is is good enough. You know, we, we you know, there's something about the other, another one is non-striving, you know, there's no need, no need to strive. Now, one of the things though, is that um, we do strive. And it's natural to strive, to want things, to kind of achieve things. to, to kind of, But the other side to this is about being mindful that that is what we are doing, that that is what's important for us. Then the, I guess those two things, sorry to No, that's absolutely fine. I think in society nowadays, that's even more important, isn't it? Because if you think about that judging element or non-judging yeah. on media and things like that, people are constantly judging. And because yeah. they see these luxurious lifestyles that people are living they're constantly wanting to strive because yeah. those are the material things that they want yeah and and i think the other importance about the non-judging is that when we judge it can lead to like automatic reactions so we mm. we judge a situation and that's it our minds are made up however it's not it, it's not always the way we perceive it to be or the way we judge it to be so it's really important to 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 have the skill to be able to take a step back to ease off that judgment yeah yeah you know um there is um patience as well uh which is another one of the attitudes of mindfulness um and that's basically kind of allowing moments to unfold rather than rushing rushing mm. them and 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 another one is trust so trusting that you know things things will work out or unfold um without um you know without i, I guess it's that kind of without the need for control of the outcome i guess mm. you know and it's a really difficult it's tricky really tricky to do that in in a lot of yeah. situations because we want certainty you know as humans we want that certainty we want to know you know where we're at um so we've got non-judging we've got um patience 
trust. Which is hard. Yes. Everybody yes. wants things now. Yeah. Not by yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's just another thing that I guess as human beings, as we've evolved and with technology improving, yeah, we're less patient than we ever have been before. Yeah. Because I guess it's that kind of, you know, it, it maybe taps into uh, delayed, I guess, kind of gratification, right? It, it yeah. You know, you can get anything, you know, it's at our fingertips, literally. You know, if you want anything, it can just kind of happen. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, exactly, you know, so the, the ability, you know, that that patience, you know, it's it's um, and, and he, he actually, um, John Kabat-Zinn, he refers to it as a form of wisdom and mm. uh and and basically that you know he just highlights that sometimes things do take time to unfold you know that things don't just just happen overnight and then that's okay um one of my favorite attitudes is the beginner's mind one and that one is very much about i i can only liken it to a child who's kind of experiencing things for the first time you know like ice cream for the first time and it's amazing and it's really kind of but it's really about kind of being in the moment with with situations so if you're going to the park or you're going for a walk it's very much about or you know really noticing like the flower or the tree or the clouds or the sun or the pavement or you know, uh, pretending like you've not been in the situation before and really taking in everything, every aspect of it, which sometimes we're too busy to do because we've got a to-do list or we've got a difficulty that we're dealing with or we've got a situation that we're going to have to sort out when we get back home. So we're doing the walk because we just want to get the steps in and then get back home. But really allowing yourself in those moments to be in beginner's mind can be hugely beneficial to us and does it take a long time to do or is it something that you can practice um you know for a minute a day a couple of minutes a day or is it just something that we should just inbuild into our everyday um being yeah so so we i guess kind of there's two types of mindfulness so there's a formal one so yoga meditation and you know you can do beginner's mind whilst you do yoga or you can do beginner's mind where, while you meditate but in terms of um like informal it's something that you can kind of do on on a regular basis you could you could make it the idea is is that people who live mindfully you know have less stressful lives so be the ability to incorporate it in as a as a lifestyle can be hugely beneficial however it's incredibly tricky as well because we we will be used to kind of doing things in a particular way so yeah. you know we it, it might feel really difficult to ease off the thinking about what what plans you've got or what things you need to do or you know what you need to hold in mind all of the time yeah but the flip side to this is, is the awareness that that is what you're doing is also being mindful. If I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. But the the, the fact that you're holding, uh, you know, yeah. thinking about all of these, it's also being mindful. I'm really conscious that I'm really thinking about tomorrow or really, you know, that is also because it, it, it can become a, my, um, a, a lifestyle in, in terms of, you know, day to day life. Yeah. So just for our listeners who might be completely new to mindfulness, yeah. 
Um, it's a term that's been used for quite a few years now, but yeah. not everybody completely understands it. So would you say mindfulness is like being in the moment? And in terms of research, has there been a lot of research around it? Um, is there scientific proof, I guess, that mindfulness works? Completely. You know, this is heavily researched. You know, um, there's lots of benefits, you know, stress reduction, um, you know, uh, people happier, better sleep, uh, mm. even sort of pain management studies, you know, people are better able to kind of manage their, their chronic pain, for example. So yeah. it is heavily, heavily researched and it's shown, you know, great benefits, um, you know, for, for, for people, really. Um, and it's interesting how you said about the pain management, because um, when I had my daughter, um, I looked at hypnobirthing and um, I looked at all of the different breathing techniques yeah. using that. <clears throat> and after over 30 hours of labor, which was, well, which could have been an extremely traumatic experience, actually, because I had those mindfulness techniques from the hypnobirthing, yeah. it really helped me with that 30 it didn't feel like 30 but over 30 hours yeah and it also helped me with the emergency c-section as yeah. well because of the way i guess i'd programmed my brain to think about the situation yeah um i never thought that i would needed that i would need a uh, emergency c-section yeah but uh, those techniques actually prepared me for it and i'm just so grateful that i yeah. did do that and i guess that was the first proper time yeah that i started practice practicing mindfulness yeah it can really reprogram yeah. the way you see certain situations. Because if you acknowledge a situation and you see it mm -hmm. and um, you notice that it, that it's there, yeah. then you can do something about it. Whereas yeah. if you just ignore it in the background, well, actually, you can't do anything about it. And if it's a negative thing, it could just potentially spiral into more negativity. Yes. Do you know what, what particularly supported you? Do you know what some of the techniques were that that supported you? Gosh, it's it's weird, isn't it? After you've given birth, you kind of forget a lot okay. of the stuff. But for me, it was the breathing techniques. Okay. That, um, that I used in yeah. that, and counting up and counting down and imagining a balloon and that sort of thing. Yeah, that yeah. Really, really helped. Yeah, and I um, think I think you point out something really uh, important here. You know about so within mindfulness, your anchor is your breath. And there's yeah. something that, you know, it's it's something that's with us in the moment each time. So all the time, basically. So really anchoring ourselves to the breath can really sort of allow, you know, it has an impact on, you know, how we breathe has an impact on our central nervous system. So I'm really not surprised to hear that, you know, that that's something that's really kind of, you know, um, allowed that sort of calming of, of the central nervous system. Yeah, absolutely. I was calm throughout the whole entire thing. Yeah. And in terms of pain relief, I didn't really use anything. Like obviously, when I had the emergency C-section, I then had to have an anaesthetic in my spine. Yeah. But uh, other than that, that was it. Yeah. I didn't use anything else. Uh, yeah. And that was literally just my mind. Yeah. And me overcoming the pain, I guess, through the breathing, which is incredible when you think about it. Because I yeah. speak to some people, you know, they have epidurals, they have something in the leg they have you know other painkillers they've got loads of gas and air and stuff and yeah it's it's just a really horrible experience that yeah. some people go through but yeah. 
just that practice I guess I was reading about it I was practicing the different breathing techniques every single day for yeah. quite a while before the birth and it just helped me and surprisingly I guess for me was that it helped me with the c-section yeah. as well yeah uh, and the way that I I saw that yeah so I mean is it something that we could try and practice would you be able to do like a guided meditation with breathing for us well what 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 i i think might be really good is to perhaps maybe end the session okay. like with um i've got a three minute sort of breathing wow. um yeah. uh meditation it's called like the hourglass it's sort of expand awareness and then narrow it down and then expand it again and that will hopefully be something that you know um our, our listeners can kind of take away from 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 this podcast you know um uh because I think with just to kind of add to that, just in relation to kind of pain and the reason why that happens is when you relax. So when when we're stressed, stress actually amplifies pain because the, the pain signals reach the brain faster than they would do in a relaxed state. So even though like it's not that the pain, the pain isn't there, it's just that stress amplifies amplifies the, the the pain response really it kind of travels faster to the brain which is why um we uh experience pain more when we're in a state of stress gosh that's really important yeah. and really interesting for yeah. everyone because yeah. i wouldn't have realized that yeah so what I'll, what i'll do is um when we end just before sort of towards the end uh we'll t i'll take you through uh, a three minute sort of guided uh, breathe breathing meditation which hopefully you'll you'll enjoy and it's also one that you can hope it's not a long one so you could practice yeah. it you know away from you know a meditative you know if you're somewhere and you really need to kind of anchor yourself or ground yourself to really sort of notice all the things that are described okay well you'll have to wake me up in case i fall yeah ho hopefully not <laughs> No, that'd be really, really good if we can do that before the end of this episode today, Absolutely. because that gives everybody who's listening just that um, takeaway. I yes, guess, absolutely, no problem at all. That they can do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so kind of, so so far we've got non-judging, we've got yeah. patience, we've got beginner's mind, we've got trust, non-striving, and then there's just um, uh, four more, which is acceptance. I think we touched upon that actually a little bit already um, in terms of um, it's about accepting where where we're at rather mm. than kind of wanting it to be any different. Um, so it kind of links in with non-striving. Um, so and, and it also comes from the premise that once we accept where we're at, we can make a change. Yeah. So when we don't accept where we're at, it's really difficult to kind of make a change because we're not accepting whatever it is that's creating the difficulty, for example. So yeah. <clears throat> the ability to, to um, you know, um, <clears throat> so for example, it might be something like, um, I'm in a bad mood, but I don't want to be in a bad mood. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to not have the bad mood. I'm going to try and do something to get rid of the bad mood whereas actually if we accept that we're in a bad mood actually do you know what I'm having a really bad time here like I'm really not yeah. in a good mood then yeah. that can kind of start the 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 ball rolling in terms of okay you know I'm uh, right okay I'm not in a good mood okay what do I need mm. you know you're accepting that you're not rather than resisting it 
Yeah, I guess, I don't know, the analogy that came into my, my head then, because I have actually got a hole in my ceiling at the moment from the, fl from the floods and um, bad weather a couple of weeks ago. It's almost like you've got a hole in your ceiling and you've got a plaster and you're just trying to fix it with a plaster if you don't acknowledge, actually, I've got a hole in the ceiling and I need some professional help to come and, you know, cut a hole and plaster it properly and everything. Yes. So in the end, you're not actually improving anything. Yes. You're being busy and you're doing something, but it doesn't um it doesn't sort out the root of the problem yes that's it but that's it right i like that analogy you know that's it because if you kind of just you know like like you say you know just put put a band-aid on and just kind of you know that's it and whereas actually okay you know what I'm, i might need you know a, a plasterer to sort this out or a plumber to sort this out or somebody you know wherever the leak's coming from because once you acknowledge you can investigate and you know you can kind of really think about and go a little bit deeper rather than you know i'm in a bad mood and i don't want to be so i'm gonna go i don't know play video games or you know you distract yourself with all sorts of things yeah. which is fine i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that but it i guess it's acknowledging that that is what you do in response to that yeah you know that actually i'm not really being accepting of the bad mood and i really struggle to be with my bad mood mm. um yeah. yeah yeah and then we've got um letting go as well and that's a lot to do with um the ability to kind of notice but also the ability to be able to let it go mm. you know that's a hard one of course out of all of them letting go i mean there's so many different scenarios that i can think of where you need to let things go you know it could be an argument or whatever you know mm -hmm. and you need to let that go but i guess it's also it ties in with bereavement mm -hmm. as well if mm -hmm. you know a friend or family member or uh, even a pet you know mm -hmm. passes away mm -hmm. that letting go is important i guess for your own healing and i guess i guess with I wonder though, but I wonder whether like, so for example, in terms of like bereavement, that there is something about noticing the holding on. Mm. And when you notice the holding on, you know, what, what is it about the holding on and what is it about you that is holding on to that? You know, that's yeah. perhaps maybe noticing the not being ready to let go yeah because I guess that's part of the process of letting go though isn't it you know understanding that holding on and then i guess in time when you're ready for it to be then able to let it go yeah it doesn't mean that you love the person or the animal or whatever it is less it's just that in your own mind you have reached a point where you've been able to let go yes and quite interestingly um doing you know the coaching training that I've done we talked about letting go to let come yeah so sometimes in life you need to let certain things go yes so that you can let other things come to you yes so it's interesting that there's that link there yeah because um, yeah because yeah if if you're yeah you need to close the door sometimes on things in order yes. for a new one to kind of open yeah. Uh, but it's really tricky. Yeah, it's a really, really tricky one. Um, yeah. yeah, that would be hard, I would think. Yeah, because um, it's familiarity, right? It's familiarity, yeah. you know. We like familiarity. We like what what we know. You know, it's comfortable. It's it, not yeah. not always comfortable. It's familiar. You, you know. And people 
find change hard. Of don't course. They? Change is difficult. It's scary. You it know. is scary because, like yeah. you say, that familiarity is what we like. We know where we stand. You know, there's no yeah. threat there. But yeah. when there's change, that unfamiliarity feels like a threat. Yeah. In which case, I, you know, people start, you know, either fighting or, you know, flighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and respond. And- and I think as we were talking there, you know, I just kind of went back to sort of what we talked about earlier, you know, in terms of like judgment. And we talked yes. a little bit about kind of, you know, letting go, how that can be scary and things. And I guess there's us sort of but kind of being mindful that, you know, everyone's experience is going to be different. So yeah. and, and, and it's just that noticing that actually, do you know what, that feels frightening to me. Actually, that's quite agitating or that actually makes me feel sad. You know, so, so everybody's experience is going to be different. Some, some of us might have very similar experiences and, you know, yeah. um, and that's, that's absolutely fine. However, just kind of being mindful that I guess kind of that non-judging and, um, you know, yeah, that it's gonna it's going to be different for everyone. And and I think this is also the thing with mindfulness. It is different for everyone. It yes. isn't prescriptive. These are the attitudes that underpin it, but it isn't necessarily prescriptive, as in it it's going to be the non-striving is gonna look different for one person to another, you know, acceptance, yeah. letting go. Because you know, I like to think of us all being on different journeys as well, you know, different, different points in our lives where these things might look very different yeah absolutely absolutely are there any other ones have we yes so we've got two one we've already talked about in the last episode which is gratitude yes yeah and just yeah yeah so and that obviously again you know um a really um uh, powerful one and has been shown in research to be incredibly powerful which we've talked about in the previous episode but basically it is um the uh the 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 practice of of being grateful and and sort of thinking you know towards the end of the day or the start of a day or whenever you want to do it about what you are thankful for and what you are grateful for in your life and it it really starts to kind of um program the mind to kind of look out for these things and to look out for uh these uh i guess positive experiences or or things that you feel that lead you to feel good that you are grateful for and And i've been doing that for you know i've been journaling since may i think it is i've never done it before and every single day without fail i write down three things that i'm grateful for and it doesn't take long at all but you go to bed with a positive mind yes you know you're happy you remember those little things you know the people who you've um you've helped out during the day for example and people who you've made happy because you've been grateful for whatever gesture yeah they've met or what they've done for you so an incredibly um powerful one i mm-hmm. think and for our listeners if you haven't heard episode one of our podcast then please do have a listen because yeah. we go through it in that whole episode yeah and then finally i think we've got generosity yes so another really lovely one so he added uh, gratitude and generosity on he felt like those were the other two to add on to the seven he had originally um and the the one with generosity is from the premise that it actually feels good to give um you know i guess kind of without expectation of return really so that kind of um generosity and again uh, the reason for that is 
you know, socially, it's, it's, you know, it bonds us together. Um, it releases oxytocin when we are being generous with other people. Um, and it's very much about, um, holding others in mind and, you know, others holding us in mind, you know, there's a really nice feeling about, about, about that, about being held in mind. And that's kind of his, his premise. Um, it's also, um, there's also, uh, so it reduces stress, uh, a sense of purpose as well. And also, I guess, kind of that altruistic pleasure um, and uh, positive social norms. And it can also give us kind of psychological benefits, as in it does make us, you know, yeah. feel feel good when, when we give, when we are kind to others. Yeah. So what are those feel good things that happen inside you? So there's oxytocin, That's it. I guess. Yes. Melatonin. Dopamine. So yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. So it yeah. it really taps into these happy happy chemicals I call them, yes. you know. Yeah. Uh, like yes, <laughs> and there's four of them, right? So there's oxytocin, endorphins, um, yeah. uh, dopamine, and yes. uh, there is one left which I can't seem to. Oxytocin. Cortisol, is it? No. No. Uh, I've put you on the spot there. I have, like, and I, I, I did, I use these on a daily basis, you know. Uh, oh, that's so there's you're on the spot and you're serotonin <laughs> is the other one, serotonin, which is our mood stabiliser, right? Yes, so dopamine yeah. is our quick remote word chemical, you know, we do some, that's why social media can be quite addictive. Um, yes. Then we've got oxytocin, which is our bonding hormone, and then we've also got our endorphins as well. So they're our, yeah. our natural painkillers. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Right. Okay. I'm looking yeah. at the time and I'm thinking it's time for some meditation. Okay. No problem at all. So this one, um, so it is called the, um, the, uh, it's called the breathing space. Um, and it's a, it's sort of an hourglass and it's, it's often referred to as like a three minute one. And um, what I would suggest is, perhaps if you're doing this for the first time, it might be helpful to, to, to close your eyes um, or also kind of do it where, you know, you're not driving or, you know, obviously do it in a safe place. Um, you know, don't do it whilst driving. But if you, if you have listened to it once before, you might be able to kind of recall and just check in with your body and um, use it as, as you will. So... Okay when we're ready i'm ready i'm gonna shut my eyes okay and uh yeah let's see how it goes if i fall asleep i don't know you'll have to shout or something to no wake problem. me up no problem to end the podcast no, pro <laughs> no problem okay then right let's go let's yes go. so notice what you are feeling at this moment physically and emotionally what do you notice about your posture and how your posture feels do you feel particularly comfortable in any way? And if so, where is this? Be curious about what thoughts you are aware of. Going through your mind at this moment. Can you place a little distance between you and your thoughts? Try and observe them. Non-judgmentally, and in a detached way, rather than being caught up in them. Now narrow your attention 
to inside yourself and into your own breathing. Bring your attention down to your breathing and a gentle rise and fall of your abdomen. You're not trying to change your breathing in any way. Just simply being aware of it in a friendly, open way. It will, of course, be quite natural for your attention to wander away from your breathing. And if this happens, just notice where your attention has gone and then gently lead it back to your breathing again. Allow your conscious awareness to expand once again. From your abdomen and into your whole body. If you can, notice a feeling of breathing into your whole body. As it happens, your whole body does breathe through your skin. See if you can be aware of a sense of wholeness and completeness in yourself. Fully accepting and non-striving. Okay to be just who you are at this moment. And when you're ready, just gently open your eyes and have a stretch. Wow. I am so relaxed. And you know what? I didn't notice that I had a clock that was ticking behind me. I've got a 1920s wind-up clock. <laughs> I just, I've just noticed that it's ticking behind yeah. me. It's been there all day, but it wasn't until now that I've noticed, noticed that. Yeah. They're incredibly yeah. powerful, you know, so it's it's important, yeah. you know, and you can do it lying down, sitting up or, you know, but also like this, this is one that you can really take with you, you know, you can tune into yourself, you know, even in a busy place, it can be really helpful. You know, I know people who yeah. who have, you know, shared that, you know, that's that's sometimes what they do, you know, even when. Yeah. And I think it's the, I guess the the reason why I thought it might be really helpful to share this one is that, you know, really kind of driving home the point of the breath being your anchor and really sort of anchoring yourself to your breath. Um, you know, even, even so maybe one last one, you know, sometimes we can feel quite anxious. Um, and one way to really reset the central nervous system is you take a deep breath in, so through your nose, and then you double, do you take one other one on that same breath? So you go and you do that a couple yeah. of times, it resets your central nervous system. So, you know, but hopefully that meditation uh, does the trick as well in terms of creating yeah. a relaxed a relaxation. Well, I definitely feel really, Good. really relaxed after that. And it's so quick. It's yeah. just a few minutes of your day yeah. and, you know, I can feel the whole energy in the room almost just yeah. calm down. So, yeah. so powerful and effective. And, yeah. you know, another takeaway for our listeners today. Yeah. Brilliant. Amazing. Well, thank you so much.